All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question that the listener was interested in and they visited our website techgumbo.net and sent us the question. This week the question is, what's going on with Louisiana's porn law? I'm sure they were asking for a friend here. So Louisiana, in the past legislative session in 2022, passed a law that says if you're going to visit a a website that is more than 33.3% pornographic, you have to have passed an ID test. So before we dive all the way into this, I do want to say... We're not taking a stance on whether or not porn should be regulated or what porn is. Those are definitely questions that are outside of the scope of the show and what we're capable of. We're more looking at how does this specific law seek to go about it? How does this specific law seek to use technology in order to provide this specific type of regulation? And that's the lens that we want to look at this issue through. So as you pointed out... They, the law says that any website more than 33.3% pornographic, you have to prove your identity if you're in the state of Louisiana. That's right. House Bill 142 was introduced into the legislature and signed by the governor. The idea that we don't want kids going to porn sites is a great idea. Full, uh, full credit to somebody trying to help kids. I got no problem with that. The problem with this legislation is it creates a lot of issues that I don't think were intended. Oh, absolutely. It very much feels like someone who is saying, but think of the children. And that's great. We should be thinking of the children, but we really need to be understanding what the full consequences of our actions are. And this has a lot of potential places that it could go wrong and places that it could go very wrong. Yeah, the specific wording is 33 and one third percent of the total material on a website. But that's not really a term or a phrase or a frame of thinking that web developers use in any context. That's not is it whenever I open the page and I just look at the page, is it 33 and one third percent? of the screen is it of the total material like of the the lines of text is it lines of code this that's a really vague term and so that's already going to be tough because that's 
not really how we think about websites or web pages because that changes if you're on a phone, if you're on a laptop, if you're on a widescreen or a small screen. Those are all going to have different dimensions and proportions. And I get that they wanted to pick a number that felt reasonable, but that's of of the total material is a very vague phrase that doesn't mean anything in the tech community. The next big problem is that to legally go to a pornographic website, you will have to go and use your ID to verify who you are. So you have to give your personal information to a third-party entity, and they're suggesting, hey, just use the LA wallet, which is the digital driver's license that Louisiana and, and now 30 other states deploy, but you have to use that information to a third party, not the third party, whatever random third party that can verify who you are means name. they now have your name, your address, your driver's license number, the color of your eyes, color of your hair, any kind of limitations, whatever's on your driver's license, they now have all of that information. That's a beginning of a really big problem. Oh, absolutely. Because in addition, a lot of these sites are going to make you verify every time you go. And so if you then start to think about what data would uh, be tracked here, it would be all of your personal information, uh, how often you're going, what times of day you're going, where you're accessing it from geographically, where you're going to. And so all of these things would be collected in new databases and the potential for someone to hack into one of these databases and then release this information. And all of a sudden, uh, some people are going to have to start answering some uncomfortable questions. Oh, man, the data privacy that could just completely be ruined by this. And it's you're going to go after well-meaning people who have done nothing wrong, who are, are good-intentioned, who, who really don't need to have their lives ruined over this. They're going to be. And then, to take it to one more extreme, the identity theft that you're exposing yourself to by going to these third-party entities and you've given them your information, you've given them your, your name, your address, driver's license, they can start making a lot of guesses and, and start using this information to create identity theft because the Louisiana law said they had to do it. There's no guarantee that one of these sites is called All Pass Trust, and it's a completely separate service. Who's to say that they're secure? Who's to say that they're not selling that data on the side? Who's to say that they're you know, checking all of the boxes that make them a well-vetted and verified source? There's nothing. The law does not provide for any of that. It just says you have to prove in some way. There's no proof that this was not just a, a sub-company of that porn site that's just, hey, this is another way to make a little bit more money kind of thing. And so if it's hypothetically Pornhub that created all past trust, now it's the same company with two different levels of your data and the privacy just ended 100%. Yeah, it's it's very much, okay, you know, you want to protect children, you want to make sure they see the right things at the right point in time, and you they don't see the wrong things too early. 100% that's a great 
view to have of the world, but this way that you're doing it because of the nature and complexity of technology and of identity verification on the internet, this you're going to create a mess. And it's also important to note, Louisiana is not the first government to try this. The UK tried this a few years back, but ultimately backed very quickly away for a lot of other reasons, including privacy and data protection, because they realized it was going to be a nightmare for them. And it's going to be a nightmare for Louisiana as well. When you start down the path, how many of these porn sites have geofencing to where they know, oh, well, that user's in Louisiana, as opposed to, well, that leaves, that user's, they're in the state of Mississippi or they're in Texas or Arkansas. How many of these sites have that level of sophistication? My guess is most don't. And then if you don't want to be bothered with this, then you just use a VPN and it bypasses all of this to begin with. Oh, by the way, Pornhub has their own VPN that's free to use. And so you there's no punishment in the law for using a VPN to bypass all of this. There's no enforcement mechanism in the law for any of this. It's just, please do these things and we'll really shake our finger at you if you don't. And so this is, for a lot of reasons, a bad technological regulation. You know, we, we talk a lot about the need for technological regulation and it's it's really difficult and tough because a lot of these people don't come from technological backgrounds. They're lawyers or they're edu educators or they're doctors. And so they're well-meaning people. They want the best for the children. But just saying, think of the children and then using that as a motivation can perhaps sometimes lead you to go too far without thinking about what you're really doing here. So thank you to the listener for sending us that question. We will be sending out that big Tech Gumbo mug. If you'd like to see the Tech Gumbo mug, go to our website, techgumbo.net. Send us a question, and we'll be happy to send you the mug. Moving along in a not quite related, but kind of related story, the FBI released a report about sextortion schemes, and it's over 3,000 kids in the past year alone that have been hurt by this. And they're estimating that the number is much higher, but that a lot of victims simply don't want to come forward. The structure of the scheme is that the victims are targeted, usually males between the ages of 14 and 17, and they're tricked, they're, they're met on social media, through games, messaging apps, etc. The perpetrator will pose as a young girl and trick the victims into sharing a nude. At that point in time, the perpetrator then says, if you don't send me some large amount of money, I will send this picture of you naked to everyone that you know. And to a teenager, this is devastating. And it's really, really difficult to police because you're dealing with very young kids who don't know how to make good decisions. And you're dealing with, with kids who just thinking, oh, this will be funny, ha, 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 or or whatever. And then it really goes bad very quickly. And so in an act of good legislation, a bipartisan bill from Senators John Ossoff from Georgia and Chuck Grassley from Iowa have strengthened federal protections against the abuse, sexual abuse of children, including online exploitation, by specifying that it does not require physical contact. This, this is an example of, okay, you are now broadening existing legislation, which already does a mostly good job. You're adding 
more enforcement mechanisms and you're doing something this is the right direction, that is a, a positive step. And glad that these two senators can come together to help protect our children in a way that is effective and enforceable. Moving along, another story that caught our attention, a robot lawyer, which is basically an artificial intelligence bot, is pretend to be the attorney in a speeding ticket in a court case. So this is an interesting test case. So the company is called Do Not Pay. We've actually talked about them before. It started off as a simple chatbot with if-then statements inside of it. Uh, but the company pivoted to artificial intelligence in 2020, and it's very much structured like ChatGPT, trained on legal documents instead of just general text. But the CEO of the company it wants to test it out in court, but he's not being especially judicious with his implementations. He's offered a $1 million reward to any lawyer who will go in front of the Supreme Court with a case that already exists and wear these AirPods and that the software will hear what the judges are saying and then create a response, beam the response into the AirPods, and then you're supposed to just mimic what the AirPods are saying to you. So you're becoming a puppet for this artificial intelligence. If you're an attorney out there, artificial intelligence is coming after your job too. I I think this is a really bad idea, much like we we talked about earlier with the chat GPT story and in, in software getting out of control. This is not the application. This is not how you want this application rolled out. This is a bad use of AI, much like we said a lot in the last segment, that it's still just a tool that needs to be used by people that it, you still need to have that human who goes back and checks all the work because, again, it's just a really good guesser of what the next word is. And so it'll guess the next word, the next word, the next word, the next word, and you know make a long chain of very nice-looking words, but you need a human to go back and read all of them and make sure that it makes sense and that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed properly because that's a lot of the way that the law works is that you really have to make sure that everything lines up, that all of your ducks are in a row. That's why lawyers get paid so much money is to understand all those details and all those nuances. And I really just don't trust an AI chatbot to be that good. If you want to go test it in a traffic claims court in a small town, okay, you know, it's low stakes and you have an actual lawyer sitting there looking over his shoulder to make sure it's getting everything right and the judge knows what's happening everyone's aware of what's happening okay i'm on board but just to march this thing in front of the supreme court and let it argue a case is a horrid idea and not being an attorney and don't know the the rules and laws of the supreme court i'm guessing the supreme court would frown upon it as well oh yes very strongly <laughs> moving along again Microsoft, we've we've mentioned it before, Windows 12 is is a thing and they're out there at the CES 2023 teasing the idea that whenever they're talking about Windows 12, I get it. I see why you're moving to this different versions as opposed to the continuous update because a lot of what they said is that Windows 12 will have artificial intelligence baked in. And so this would make it a lot more powerful, be able to do a lot more things. Interestingly, 
it'll be a different type of AI than ChatGPT. Because as I've said several times, ChatGPT is trained on words. And so if you notice that whenever Microsoft is thinking about it for Office, they're thinking about it for Outlook, Word, and PowerPoint, they're not really thinking about it in Excel. Because Excel does numbers, Excel does math, it does formulas. And that's a completely different type of internal logic that you need in order to predict and figure things out. And so you would need a, a completely different type of internal logic to figure and predict things inside of an operating system. And so that's you will use a lot of what OpenAI has figured out and what they're doing in order to really have AI be a, you know, a really deep part of Windows 12, the operating system. But it's not just going to be Windows plus ChatGPT. No, you're probably going to see very similar in the way that you use the digital assistants, the, the, the Amazon devices and the Google devices, where instead of typing on the keyboard and doing whatever, you're just going to ask the computer to do whatever task you need done without any kind of other interface other than just your voice. And then it'll take your commands synthesize it and, and either present the idea back or the answer back or create the task or do the task or whatever it is that you need done, that's where this is headed. And it, it really makes sense that it's like, oh, that's why they're doing this. Because we've said about Windows 11 that it really feels in a lot of ways that it, it's just Windows 10.5. But the way they're talking about 12, you see, ah, there's a vision for this. This is going to be different. This is going to be new. This this could be groundbreaking. It's almost like this isn't even Windows 12. This should just be Windows Next or something entirely different because when you don't have to touch the keyboards anymore because you're just interacting using your voice through the artificial intelligence, that's a real game changer. And the last story we wanted to talk about once again, you know, we've gone back to this iPhone 14's crash detection, and it's turning up in a very cold place. Now that we're in winter, a lot of people are out there going skiing, and, you know, you take a tumble on the mountain, even if it's not a big one, not a bad one, just enough to shake your iPhone, and your iPhone says, uh-oh, were you in a crash? And if you're not paying attention to it, it starts to call 911. And we've seen this several times in Colorado, and they're having to sit there and sort through all of this, and it's just another mess. Summit County Sheriff Jamie Fitzsimmons has told the newspaper there that his concerns about some of these features, he's, he's tried to reach out to Apple, but it feels, quote, unquote, it feels like we're trying to turn a battleship in a bathtub because Apple's not paying attention to him. He's trying to, to get them to say, hey, look, your crash detection is taking my EMS units and my emergency responders to places they shouldn't have to be going to because it's a ski slope. People fall all day long every day on ski slopes and you're creating 911 calls. And this seems much harder to deal with because whenever it's something like an amusement park, an amusement park is very well defined. It's very easy to geofence, but ski slopes are somewhat well defined in most places. But whenever you get into some of the more rural areas, they can be much broader and much less a sharp boundaries between what is and is not an acceptable place to fall or, or to, to crash. And so this is much harder to go back and apply another Band-Aid fix. And you have to think that until Apple 
develop some artificial intelligence around this, we're going to continue to see stories like this pop up and pop up. Because if that same person fell in the summertime hiking and they hit the hard rock, they do need the 911. So what you going to do? Yeah, this is tough. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.